0: I want you to turn in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, it's all the way to the back of the Bible, one of the last books written by the Apostle Peter. In your pew Bible, it's page 1176, 1176. And we're going to be looking at three aspects of living hope. Gray uh, read Romans chapter 5, which talks about hope and how perseverance and character produce hope. We're going to be looking at living hope this morning. But before we read the passage, I just want to say how grateful I am to serve as pastor here at Ashley River Baptist Church. Thank you. This past week has shown me just how wonderful this body of believers is. You're not about yourselves, you're about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We did kingdom work this week, and I cannot be more proud of this church body. Beginning with Wednesday night, as John said, we had 79 people. Who are the next 21 who are going to show up to get us to 100 this Wednesday? Okay, raise your hand, all of you raise your hand, okay, good, excellent. Let me share with you, it is a sweet time of fellowship on Wednesday night. It's more intimate. We get to share the word in a much more deep way. We get to go and minister to children and to families. It is a powerful time to get together. And we did that as kind of an in-reach to our church family. And then on Friday... um, Just early afternoon, we laid to rest one of our long-standing members um, or friends, Herman uh, Merton. We laid him to rest, but we had our family of faith here to support Shane and Johnny and Herman Jr. And it was a way for us to minister to one another during a time of grief. And then Friday night, as if we hadn't been busy enough, Friday night we invited over the West Ashley Varsity football team and they came into our fellowship hall and we prepared a meal for them and they ate and guess what they got to listen to me tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and it was wonderful and I prayed that night after I gave them a big old pep talk okay I was like I was a coach I played football all my life I played basketball and baseball I'm a sports guy and so I gave them a big old pep talk I told them you got to hit them hard Hit them first, right? And uh, you know what? They did because that night I prayed, Oh, Lord, I hope after my pep talk they don't go and lay a goose egg, you know, and and lose, right? Well, guess what? They trounced Berkeley 26 to nothing. (laughs) And somebody said, Randy, do you think it was your pep talk? And I said, Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) They said, No, we think it was the subs. So, (laughs) nevertheless, but then, as if our work was not over, we did more kingdom work. We not only reached Wednesday night within our own church family, and on Friday morning, we also reached out to our community football team in West Ashley, but then yesterday, we hosted a a memorial service for the Bostick family, Curtis and Jenny Bostick, Jenny had passed away, and we had 30 plus, I don't know, at least 30 volunteers from this church who spent an entire Saturday. Some of us, Teresa, were here until late last night. But we did that because we want to wrap our loving arms around fellow believers. And they didn't have a sanctuary like this one to worship God and to celebrate a life. And so I just want those volunteers who spent Saturday, yesterday, helping out at this funeral, showing the community what Ashley River is all about. I want you to just stand right now. Stand up, please. Thank you all very much. You know, that is really what it's all about. Is loving our community. So, with that, let's open to First Peter and let me read the scripture for us. Uh, if you're able, stand with me for the reading of God's word. First Peter, chapter one, beginning in verse three. You kids who are filling out your little um, uh, sermon outline, you can put those in. First Peter one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Pray with me. Father, this is your word, penned by the Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago. Lord, but they are rich with truth. And I pray, Lord, as we study this passage this morning, it might rekindle the day of our salvation and the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So there are three aspects of living hope. Three aspects of living hope. The first is, new birth look with me in verse 3 it says praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ it's a doxology it's a praise verse that Paul and Peter writes in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead you know this new birth is bestowed by God's mercy what is mercy Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He extends grace, which is giving us what we do not deserve. I learned that from the children's Sunday school class this morning. But the new birth is not only bestowed by the mercy of God, but it is enabled by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus, in his ministry, would be approached by a high-ranking religious leader named Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, we see this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to him by night, many scholars believe, because he did not want to be seen by his fellow Pharisees, because obviously Jesus was unpopular to them. But he came at night and he said, Lord, Rabbi, he said, I believe that you're a teacher from God because no one can do the miraculous signs that you do and not be from God. But it's interesting, I was sharing with the staff this week that it's interesting that Jesus didn't even respond to that comment. Instead, Jesus said, No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, unless he experiences a new life birth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. The word born again here can literally mean born from above. Born from above. Born from heaven. Every single person in this room was born physically on this earth. Every one of us who's sitting here today, every single human being who's ever lived was born. You were born physically. We all have a physical birth. We all can point to it. And in fact, if you want to, you can find out on Facebook or any other social media when your friend was born. They like to share their date of birth. And we like to celebrate. We like to blow candles off off the cake, right? Not off the cake, but out off the cake, right? And we want to celebrate our birthday. But folks, We don't have, if you are in Jesus Christ, you don't just have one birth day. You have a spiritual birthday. The day that you said yes to Jesus Christ's free offer of hope and salvation. So your spiritual birth is what Jesus was talking about there with Nicodemus. He even said flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And so that's what we read here about the new birth is part of this living hope. If you have not entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, today the Bible says is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God will rescue you from your sin. Now, there is a characteristic of this hope, and it's, it's a living hope. And we know that hope is a sure and confident future expectation of what God promised that he would fulfill. And we know that we can place our hope in that expectation, that future expectation, because of two reasons— Number one, it has a divine source. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can come into a right relationship with God. But it also has a divine destiny. That this life is not the end. Death is merely a threshold into a life eternal. Life is out there for us and we will live lots longer in the afterlife than we will on this earth. And so we have to understand that this divine destiny is for us. Even in the midst of our current suffering, it is available for us. The Hebrews writer would say this, Hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, entered on our behalf. When the Sadducees approached Jesus late in his ministry, as he entered into Jerusalem, they came to him to challenge him about marriage and the resurrection, marriage in the afterlife. And Jesus says, you do not know the scriptures. Have you not read? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Living hope focuses on the future. Living hope focuses not on the temporal, but the eternal. Not on the here, but the then. Not on the physical, but the spiritual. Not on earth, but in heaven. That's what hope is all about. In fact, the New Testament writers understood this. They said that all of the things that you see around you, whether it be the temple of the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether it be the law that was given by Moses, whether it be all of the sacrifice, sacrificial system that is available, they are a shadow. The New Testament writers would put it this way, that all those things are a shadow, but the reality is found in Jesus Christ. The Hebrews writer in chapter 10, verse 1 says this, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. And Paul, in his beautiful letter to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, we read about it, it's the love chapter, and he ends this chapter this way, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... But then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The real birth, the new birth, is something that brings us into a right relationship with God. And the power of sin is broken. And the penalty of sin has been paid. But the presence of sin remains until we reach glory. You know, I want to share with you that I was saved at the age of 17 years uh, years old. I had um, I never been uh, as part of a family. We never really went to church. Um, and I was in high school and I was kind of a an awkward teenager, nerdy in some ways, but then I'd get out on the football field and I'd blow people up. I was weird that way. But I really enjoyed sports. It was my outlet. And I felt like that was really kind of what I placed all of my emphasis on, sports and study. Until one day, this young lady, a classmate of mine said, I want to invite you to a group gathering that we're having this Thursday night. Some of you know Young Life, it's still around today, but it was a Young Life group. And Young Life is when a bunch of high schoolers get together on a weeknight, and they have college kids who actually lead the time of together. They kind of have fun together. They enjoy. They play games. They sing music. Um, and then they have a time of devotion. They, they do a Bible study. Well, my father was so strict, he would not let us out of the house Monday through Friday. And so I, was, I just told her, I said, I can't get out. After football practice or baseball practice, I just go home. And uh, she said, well, you ought to ask your parents. And so I did. I asked my mom and my mom said, oh, Randy, that's a great idea. I said, but dad won't let me go. She said, I'll take care of that. (laughs) And so she convinced my dad to let me go. And the first night, somehow or another, I ended up being one of the people who was put on the spot to participate in one of their fun games. And, um, I've never been that, I mean, I was shy as a child, but by the time I got into high school, they just wound me up and let me go. And so they had this silly game that they would give you this inane topic that you had to talk about. And then every time that you stammered or stopped talking, they would squirt you in the face with a water gun. Many of you may know the ending of this story. There was not one drop of water on my face after I had talked for a solid minute about a flea stuck inside of a water balloon. (laughs) That is a true story. But you know, long about that summer, I went on a retreat, young life retreat with uh, all those kids. And on one night, When I was 17 years of age, the pastor said, this is your opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. And then he told us to go out into that beautiful area. I mean, it was a big campground. He said, you just find yourself a tree. And you sit down under that tree and you have a conversation with God. I did. I sat under an oak tree in Saranac, New York and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. It was at that moment that several things happened. Maybe for you, if you've had this experience, you know that you are regenerated, that God regenerates you. He makes you new. That's the new birth. He makes you brand new. New. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Not only that, but I was justified. God said, I declare you, Randy Disharoon, not guilty. And for anybody in Christ, God throws the gavel down and he says, not guilty. He doesn't say you're innocent. He just says, not guilty. And then the third thing that happens in the twinkling of an eye is that I was spiritually born into God's family. I became a member of God's household. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're part of God's family. Amen? How many of you are happy to be a part of God's family? Well, I was happy, and I will tell you how this ended. The young lady that invited me to Young Life, her name was Linda. 25 years later, at a high school reunion, she was ravaged with cancer. She showed up at our reunion, And I had the opportunity to share with her that God had led me to teach the Bible in Sunday school from the year 1989 forward. That God used me to go to seminary to get my divinity degree. That God used me to help plant a church. And I can believe right now Linda's Passed on to glory. But I will tell you at that moment, at that table, she was checking us in. Tears were streaming down her face because she knew she had a part in my salvation. She played a role. God wants us to share the gospel with whomever, however, whenever we can. Because God is the one who changes lives. And she was so overjoyed by that. She's in heaven now and she's looking down and she's saying it's all true. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. And so this new birth experience results. Look at what it says there. It results in inheritance. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We are joint heirs with Christ. That's amazing to me to think that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we are his brothers and sisters. And we get to share in the inheritance prepared from the foundation of the world for him. Jesus said to those listening to the Sermon on the Mount, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this first aspect of living hope is the new birth in Jesus Christ. But there's a second aspect, and it's genuine faith. Genuine faith. You know, your faith, it says here, look at verse 5. Who, meaning us, Christians, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You see, Peter here is telling those early believers that your faith is shielded by God's power and it is refined by life's trials. Shielded by God's power. Do you realize that when God called Abram in chapter 15 of Genesis, he says, Abram, don't be afraid because I am your shield. I will protect you. You know, if you are in Christ, no one can snatch you out of his hand. He has you. He has you secure. And that's what our faith is. It is a security toward that final day when we are resurrected to Him. Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God, put it all on, the helmet of salvation. And then he says, the shield of faith. You and I, our faith is a shield. How long will God shield us? It says there, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. In the last time, the consummation of God's redemptive plan. Because you see, we haven't just been spiritually adopted into the body of God. We're there, we're secure, but there's coming a day. When our bodies will be transformed from this lowly body, this physical body, this perishable body, this corruptible body into an incorruptible, imperishable body, glorified for Jesus Christ, that is the redemption of all men in Christ, men and women. And here we have the truth of God's Word. It continues to say that the consummation of God's redemptive plan Will happen. And now you have to understand. That when you go through life's trials. It pales. In comparison. With the future glory. That we will. When the sons and daughters of God. Are revealed. You know. Life's trials are going to hit us. We learn from Paul. Just how. Difficult his life trials were. If we go back before him, Jesus said, All men will hate you because of me. If you go back before Jesus, the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament saints were uh, persecuted for proclaiming God's word. If you turn back to Second Corinthians chapter 11, I just want to read for you Paul's own personal testimony to the kinds of trials he faced. And I ask the question: If you'll think with me, how does it compare to us? Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and at beginning in verse twenty twenty three, or the latter part of verse twenty three, he says, "I have I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the Jews." From the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city. And in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Let's do a check have you faced that kind of persecution you know we are still right now we don't know for how long we won't allow be allowed to freely read this bible folks we take it for granted and paul knew persecution so well that he was able to rejoice in the midst of his suffering. This morning, I want to share with you a story that took place half a world away. The location is in a distant, remote village in China. China does not allow the teaching of God's word. Three hours away from any city, we see a place where people walk into a rustic building with wooden floorboards. And a preacher from the US is invited to come and share a word with them. The room is crowded, small room, dozens of Chinese people who want to hear the word of truth. And this pastor stands up to just give a word from the word and he opens up his Bible and he notices that there is one lady sitting crisscross on the first row who doesn't have a bible and i'm telling this story because he was preaching from first peter and as he says to them turn to first peter she just closes her eyes and he tells them i'm going to read from first peter and she doesn't have a bible So he looks down and he says, Ma'am, do you need a Bible? And she said, Oh, no. I spent the last two years in prison and I had family members sneak in a verse at a time to me and I memorized 1 Peter by myself. And so everything you preach, I have it hidden in my heart. Folks, This morning, can I encourage you to make your life about reading and studying and memorizing God's word. This is what it's about. Because the trials will come. Jesus predicted it. The apostles experienced it. The prophets endured it. And Paul described it. And we cannot possibly relate to such persecution, but it's coming. It's coming. So you and I must be ready when it comes. But we know that our faith is well placed in Jesus Christ. Because when he appears, we shall be like him. Because Jesus is the one who saves. So now with that, let's turn to the third aspect of living hope. New birth. Genuine faith. Glorious joy. Glorious joy. Notice what it says there in verses 8 and 9. Turn back to 1 Peter again. Verses 8 and 9 read this way. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with what inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Glorious joy is fueled by our love for God and it is secured by our belief in God. I love what the Corinthian writer Paul said. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 64. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Do you love Jesus Christ? This morning. If it is that real, that genuine, then it will be secured by your belief in God. After Jesus' resurrection, he met them on that first Sunday night. There was one apostle who wasn't there. Do you know who it was? Thomas. Thomas was not there that first Sunday night. And the next Sunday night he showed up and Thomas had told the rest of the apostles, unless I see the scars in his hands, and I see the cut, the spear sh- uh, cut in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus appears to them in the middle of the room, the doors being shut, and the disciples all gathered around him, and Jesus calls out Thomas, and he says, Thomas, come. Put your finger here in the holes in my hands and in the side. See and believe. At that moment, Thomas utters one of the most beautiful testimonies in all of Scripture. My Lord and my God. And then Jesus says, blessed are you, Thomas, because you see and believe. But even more blessed are those who see and yet do not. I mean, do not see and believe. And so Jesus is teaching Thomas and us that even though we don't see him, We know he exists. That's what faith is about. That's what hope is about. But we're told to rejoice. It says we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The word there in Greek is agaliastai. Say that twice. Agaliastai. Agaliastai is like it's out of this world. It's unbelievable. It's hard to even wrap my mind around it. It's deeper than any well. It's taller than any tree. It's huge. I can't get my arms around it. That's the inexpressible joy that God wants us to have. And it results in the salvation of our souls. Paul would say to the Philippians, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. For which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Has God called you heavenward in Jesus Christ? Because there's going to come a day when the physical birth is no longer. You are no longer living. When you step over that threshold of death, where will you go? The Bible's very clear. When you die, if you are in Christ you will be completely unshackled from every sin, every tear, every part of you that is ailing or uh, just not, not right, whatever it is. God will make it right one day in heaven. It says in the uh, Revelation, it tells us that He Himself will wipe away your tears. I'm telling you, I specifically asked for that song, I Fly Away. I'll fly away. Folks, if this life is more important in your heart, in your mind, and in your spirit than the one awaiting you, then you've got it backwards. We must have our eyes on the future. Future glory. You see, God is preparing us for His heavenly inheritance. He is going to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. He is going to make us newer than we've ever been. And that day is coming for those who are in Jesus Christ. What is living hope? It's evidenced by these three things. Born anew. Born anew. Number two, a genuine faith. Unshakable faith. And number three, number three, an inexpressible joy. You know, I want, when this community sees Ashley River I want this community to say, I want that. Whatever it is that's in you, I want it. This world can be very dark, but if you are this light in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of strife, how is that light shining? Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? You? know Your Father which is in heaven. Will you go out and be the living hope to this community this week? Will you? Will you? I don't hear you. Will you be the living hope for this world? amen amen let's pray father we love you we thank you for your word we thank you for peter the one who stepped out of the boat he's the one who would also deny you three times and after that lord you approached him and said do you love me peter three times you asked peter do you love me and when Peter said, yes, Lord, oh, Jesus, you said, feed my sheep. Lord, we desire to be a light in this community. Help us to be a light in this community. There are people in this room right now, Lord, that may not know for sure that when their end of days come, that they will cross over the threshold from death into life eternal. If you're in this room this morning and you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure of the hope that I have been speaking about, that the word proclaims, today is the day of salvation. Just like I was at the age of 17. If you want to come and join this family of faith, Ashley River Baptist Church, a beacon in the community, you come. You come forward and you join this fellowship. If you want to really recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I mean really, stop playing church, stop being, just kind of going through the motions, if you really want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, recommitting your walk to him, you come forward as well. We'll celebrate with you. We'll walk beside you. We'll help you along the way. Now, Father, all of these folks, Lord, I just pray that you move in their hearts that the Holy Spirit has his way with each every every person of, in this room. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing. You come.